Um, many of you may remember Willard Scott as the weather personality for the Today Show on NBC before Al Roker. Uh, but do you know how Willard Scott got his start? Do you know what, he, what propelled him to fame? Uh, Willard Scott was a clown. Uh, yeah, we're talking about clowns again in worship. Um, Willard Scott was the first Ronald McDonald in 1963. So if you have an aversion to clowns, you might not want to look. But that's Willard Scott there. He's got a cardboard tray on his head, and he's got a paper cup on his nose. And he was the very first Ronald McDonald back in 1963. Well, in 1966, McDonald's realized that they'd stumbled across something that was really uh, making an impact on their customers. And so they decided that they wanted to use Ronald McDonald in all of their advertising, but they thought he might need to be spruced up a little bit. And so they did an at-work makeover of Ronald McDonald, and they took away his cardboard tray for a hat, and they took away his paper cup for a nose, and that's what Ronald began, became to look like. And for the most part, since then, that's been Ronald. He's had a few updates, one in 2014, uh, the most recent one in 2014. Now, you don't see Ronald McDonald much anymore because in 2016, when the creepy clown craze started uh, going across the nation, McDonald's pulled Ronald back so that he's not as evident as he was anymore. So in 1966, they changed Ronald to look like this up here today. And then in 1972, they realized, you know, we need to get Ronald McDonald into all of our restaurants. But obviously, Willard Scott can't be all the places all the time. So we need more Ronald McDonald's. So in 1972, they formed a manual of how to look like Ronald, put on the makeup like Ronald, how to smile like Ronald, how to wave like Ronald, so that they could have lots of Ronald McDonald's anywhere at any given time. And did you know today that there are about 250 Ronald McDonald's, who are, if, you, if the internet is to be believed, and they're all over the place. And every year they have a convention of sorts where they get together uh, and, um, yeah, they just love to clown around, I guess. They get together, and uh, you have to be inspected while you're there. And so they want to make sure that you're living up to uh, the expectation that they have to Ronald McDonald, that, that you're abiding by every single thing that's in that manual so that you look just like Ronald, so that you smile just like Ronald, so that you talk just like Ronald, so that you wave just like Ronald. And if you don't pass the inspection, they kick you out. You go home without a job. And they also require that while they're there together as Ronald McDonald's, that no two Ronald McDonald's could be seen in costume at the same time, at the same place. That really freaks some people out. So you can't do that. I'm wondering, do you ever feel like the world tells you what you should look like? What you should talk like? What you should smile like? What you should wave like? just like they try to do with Ronald McDonald. 
I mean, do you ever feel like in your life that there's this list of prerequisites that are out there somewhere that says if you want to be, if you want to be worthy of love and belonging, that you have to check all of those boxes in order to be loved and in order to be long, loved and belong. Have you, ever, um, have you ever thought, you know, if I just lost a little bit of weight, or if I just was able to get that job, or if I was just able to be asked out by that girl or that boy, or if I could just wear these kind of clothes, or if I could just um, get married, or if I could just stay married, Do you ever feel like that the world is trying to tell you who you're supposed to be instead of the person that God created you to be? If that's true for you, then I think this sermon series is really going to uh, be helpful for all of us because I don't think I'm alone. I don't think that that, uh, I'm consumed every day by with what other people ought to think about me, so much so that I'm unable to embrace who God created me to be. The sermon series is inspired by a woman by the name of Brene Brown. She is an amazingly gifted, intelligent uh, researcher, and she's done a lot of work with shame and fear and with vulnerability. And I think that you're going to find that this sermon series is really going to speak to you, because I think for many of us, if not most of us, if not all of us, we are so caught up in who we think we're supposed to be, that we're unable to embrace who God created us to be. So what would be my hope for this series? Uh, first of all, let me say, if there's anything in t- intelligent said during this series, it's probably Brene Brown that said it, not me, okay? Um, I hope you, if you want to know more, I'm just scratching the surface of the book. I hope you'll purchase the book and begin to read it. I think you'll find it to be one of those books that you will go back to over and over again. It's called The Gifts of Imperfection. The Gifts of Imperfection. But what do I hope for us Uh, during this sermon series, this worship series, the first thing that I hope uh, and pray for each of us is that we would have courage. Courage. Now, I don't know what comes to mind for you when you think of the word courage. Brene Brown says that for most people, when we think of the word courage, that we think of something heroic, like a courageous act. And uh, if you've been watching the news this past week, you saw that it's the one-year anniversary of the Waffle House shooting. And so James Shaw Jr. has been once again on our television screens every night. And people called him a hero because of the way that he uh, took the gun away from the suspect that killed those four people one year ago last week. And how James Shaw Jr. kept saying, I'm not a hero. What I did was not courage. It was self-preservation. But when we think of courage, a lot of times we think about these great heroic acts. And those are wonderful. And those are good. And those are needed in the world today. But when I'm talking about courage over the course of the next several weeks, I'm talking about what may have been the original definition of courage. The root word of courage is the Latin word core, C-O-R, 
which means heart. And the original definition of the word courage was to see one's heart by looking at one's self, or to speak one's mind by telling one's heart. And so to be courageous in the form of its earliest definition was to just say what's really going on inside. To have the courage was to speak what's really happening in your life from the depths of your heart. And so we're supposed to speak honestly and openly about who we are, about whose we are, And that's the kind of courage that I pray for for us today. Well, in Paul's scripture this morning, he's talking to probably two different groups of people. I mean, he may be talking to one group of people, but there's two different representative types of people in that group. It seems that on the one hand, Paul is talking to people uh, in the early Corinthian church and community that thought they were better than everybody else. They thought that their function was more important. Their role was more important. Who they were was more important than some of the other people. And so Paul has a pretty harsh word for those people that if you think you're so important, if you think you're more important than everybody else, then guess what? That is not true. And in fact, the people that you're looking down on actually uh, are more important than you are. But Paul is also talking, I think, to a group of people who have a low estimation of themselves. There are people that are constantly looking to other people and saying, you know what, if I, if, I was, if I was a lot like them or more like them, then I would be okay. Or I'd be more successful. Or I would be more loved. Or I would have a greater sense of belonging. If, if, if I wasn't who I am and I was one of them, then surely life would be better for me. And what Paul is saying is that no, that's, that's not true. And he uses this analogy of the human body. And he says the human body is made up of many different parts, many different members. And, and, and each one of those parts plays an important role. And, and so if you were created to be a foot, then be a foot. If you were created to be a hand, then be a hand. If you were created to be an eye, then be an eye. Your role is so important that if you were not here, if you aren't doing what God created you to do, then the whole sum of the body would be less. And that's why that when one part of our body breaks down, it doesn't just affect the one part of the body that's broken down, it begins to affect everything. I started off with a scratchy throat, now I can't hear out of my right ear. How does that work? So we're all connected. And we all have a part to play. We were created by God with a purpose, Paul says. And so that's what Paul is getting at here. That when each of us are truly living an authentic life, we are living as God created us to be. And we're not worried about what other people think we're supposed to be. We're worried about what God created us to be. And so I wonder, is there anybody here this morning that's tired of being a foot because somebody said we're one foot short? See, Nancy, I can do this. You know, is there anybody that is anybody that's tired of being a a hand because somebody said, "Hey, we need a hand." You know, that was a joke too. But I won't I won't go anymore if you're not going to laugh at them. I'll just move on. 
there's this constant temptation from this culture in which we live to be something that we weren't created to be. And what Paul is trying to say is that all you really have to be is who God created you to be. All you really have to do is what God created you to do. It's important to figure that out, to find out what is it that God created me to be? What is it that God created me to do? But, but we are better when we don't focus on what other people think. And when we focus on God, what God thinks, and on what God has created us to be. It's about being authentic. It's about being real. It's about being who we really, really are. And what Renee Brown says is that authenticity is not something that you either have or you don't have. Authenticity is a choice. Actually, it's a daily series of choices But we get to choose to be authentically who God created us to be and do what God created us to do. Now, if that hearing that, that you get to choose authenticity, uh, it probably is hopeful to some of us and completely exhausting to others of us. It's hopeful because I think deep down in our core, we all like honest down-to-earth people, don't we? We all like people who are who they say they are, who are living authentically uh, of themselves. Uh, We really like those kind of people. We really aspire to be those kind of people. So we want to be genuine. We want to be down-to-earth. We want to be true to who we really are at the core of our being. We really do want to be who God created us to be. And so there's some hope there. But it's also exhausting because we live in this world, in this culture that's always trying to tell us who we are. We live in this world and this culture is just telling us that the goal of life is not to be who God created you to be. The goal is to fit into the mold that we are telling you you need to fit into. The goal is for you to just sit around and do nothing for yourself, but just simply try to please everybody and everything all the time. And that is absolutely exhausting. It wears us out. So how do we let go? How do we let go of what everybody else in the world thinks and embrace the authentic self that God created us to be? Brene Brown says that it starts with practice. That you and I just need to practice being who we really are. Being who God created us to be. And so it's important to find someone that loves us for who we are, that embraces us for who we are, and just begin to spend time with those people. And practicing being authentic and real ourselves, and knowing that they'll be okay with it, and that they'll affirm it, and that they will value us being real showing up and being our authentic self that God created 
us to be. And so if you're tired of living a life doing what you think you're supposed to do, what other people always want you to do, and that comes at the expense of you being who God created you to be, then I want to suggest that you find someone that you trust, that you can be your authentic self with, and that you just practice being the person that God created you to be. It's going to take courage. It's going to take that courage not only to speak from the depths of who you are, from your heart to be revealing of yourself, but it's also going to be a heroic type of courage to to stand up and say, this is who God created me to be. This is who I'm supposed to be. I cannot continue to live an inauthentic life doing everything that everybody else wants to do. I have to just be who I am convinced God is calling me to to be. It takes courage. It also takes courage to admit that we're not perfect. Um, None of us are perfect. And and so, when we're trying to please other people, and we're trying to live the life that they want us to live, when we're trying to live into society's expectations of who we're supposed to be, uh, we are always going to fail. And even if we reach one measure of perfection, they'll raise the bar on us and we'll never ever get to that place where we feel totally accepted by everybody. It just keeps moving up and up and up and it's so frustrating and exhausting and we'll never get there. But if we admit I'm imperfect, but God loves me anyway, well, that's a key component to living an authentic life. And even if you're living the life that God created you to be, you're not going to be perfect. You're still going to mess up. But you're in a relationship with a God who can be trusted. You're in a relationship with a God who loves and affirms your authenticity. You're in a relationship with a God that wants you just to be who God created you to be, who's not setting these unrealistic expectations, doesn't believe in those unrealistic expectations, This God of grace is just glad that you showed up and were real. This God of grace is just so delighted that you're trying daily to live into the person that God created you to be. This warms the heart of God when we're our authentic selves. And so we've got to realize that we're not perfect The world may not like it when we fail. The world may judge us and roll their eyes at us and make fun of us when we fail. But our God is there to lift us up and to say, I still love you. I still care about you. And I'm so happy and proud of you for showing up, for being real, for being true to who God called you to be. And you just keep on trying. But even when you fail... I'm going to keep on loving. The world would try to teach us that this perfection, uh, living into their expectation can be achieved, but we're all a mix of strengths and struggles. Every single one of us. And when we realize that, we can accept it. And we no longer have to live in that hamster wheel, trying harder and harder and harder. This requires great vulnerability. 
church. Because when you start to try to live not for the sake of other people, not to try to fit into society's mold, but when you start trying to be the person that God uniquely and purposefully created you to be, you're going to feel some fear. Because the people around you that have been used to you living the way they want you to live are are going to roll their eyes. They're going to talk about you. They're going to say things about you. They're going to feel threatened because because you are a threat to their uh, homostasis. And so there's going to be some fear there. And there's going to be some shame there too because you're going to feel bad because you used to do whatever it is that everybody else wanted you to do. You were more concerned about pleasing other people than you were pleasing God. You were more concerned about being the person they wanted you to be instead of the person that God created you to be. You're going to feel some shame when you begin to stand up and say, no longer will I be the person that everybody else expects me to be. I'm going to try to be the person that God desires for me to be. It's going to feel selfish. It's going to feel self-focused. Somebody's probably going to tell you, well, the world doesn't revolve around you. And what you're saying is, I want my world to revolve around God. And I want to be the person that God created me to be. I want to fulfill the purpose that God created me to fulfill. That's going to be my focus. And then, when we're lying in bed at night, we'll wonder and we'll question whether being the person that God wanted us to be, is that enough in this world? Do I have the energy to get up tomorrow and to face all of the societal expectations that are on me one more time? We're going to question it over and over and over again. What Brene Brown would say to us is that that's the price you pay for authenticity. That being authentic is not always the safest choice. In fact, oftentimes, when we're being authentic and we're being who God created us to be, and when we're doing what God created us to do, it means stepping outside of the comfort zone. It means opening oneself up to hurt and harm, physical, emotional, and spiritual. It means taking risks. And it means that we might hurt even if we're right. we might experience a lot of hurt even if we're right. But what Brene Brown says and what I think God would say and what I know that I would say is that being hurt doesn't hurt as much as not being who God created you to be. Yeah, it's going to hurt to be who God created you to be but to not be hurt so much more. Because if you have these feelings about this is who God created me to be that are deep in your bones and you don't express those feelings and you don't live those feelings out, they don't go away. They they don't go away. They just stay 
suppressed and they fester and they eat at us like a cancer because we know at our core we are not being the people that God created us to be. So yes, it's going to hurt to be authentic. But I would suggest to you that it won't hurt as much as not being the person that God created you to be. Not doing the things that God created you to do. Sacrificing who you really are at your core for what other people think is not the best way to live. Being real, being genuine, being who God created you to be is the way to live. Owning that is not nearly as difficult as running from that. So, if God created you to be a foot, be a foot. If God created you to be a head, be a head. Don't try to be what you're not. Don't worry about what other people think. It'll hurt, but it won't hurt nearly as much as not being the child of God that God created you to be. Receive that as difficult, but receive it as good news.